Good morning. Thanks. Um, I'd like to start off with a word of prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, your love for us, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our Lord Jesus and all he's done for us. Lord, I just ask you, please help me to say the words you'd want me to speak and let any other words that you don't want uh, fall by the wayside. Lord, uh, we love you. We want to serve you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And welcome to the visitors, too. Um, if you could uh, please turn your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. I was, um, I was on a trip and I saw, it was before Halloween, and I saw a Jeep that happened to have three skeletons crawling, uh, clinging onto the Jeep. And I started to notice how many skeletons there were uh, this year. It seemed like more than previous years. And I don't know if somebody figured out how to make them real cheap or, or whatever, uh, 3D printing or what, doesn't really matter. But anyway, so when I saw, the, saw that Jeep, I just, I was thinking, that would be really scary if they moved, if they came to life, right? So then I started to think about Ezekiel chapter 37 and I, I took the time while I was preparing for this message to kind of dig, dig into that chapter and a little bit into chapter 36 also. But what was, I remembered from reading previously uh, years ago, what I would like to title the message, Oh Lord God, Thou Knowest. And uh, that's what Ezekiel said. But I'd like to read uh, the first 14 uh, verses as a basis of this uh, message. Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and sent me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about and behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. 
and I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon, up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried, and our hope is lost, and we are cut off from our parts. Therefore, Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord and I, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. And shall put my spirit in you and ye shall live and I shall place you in your own land, then shall ye know that I am the Lord. I of the Lord have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. So Ezekiel, this, is, <clears throat> this was 585 BC. And when Ezekiel uh, wrote this, the... Uh, Babylonians were basically destroyed the temple. And the, but previously, for about 250 years before this time, was the last time that the house of Israel was together, was a kingdom and united. For 250 years until Ezekiel, uh, it had been dispersed, uh, the Jews had been scattered and carried away, uh, some into exile, some just fled around the world. And so from that time, from this time, it took about 2,500 years for this prophecy to be fulfilled. And this prophecy was fulfilled in 1948, 1947, 1948, after World War II. And so <clears throat> the reason I'm bringing up this message, not only to learn a little bit about the history, but also because of the war in Israel uh, is central to this message. I'd like to bring a little bit of uh, clarity, if I can, to it. But it's a very complicated um, history of the Jews. And we have even a very complicated history 
even from the time of Christ, which, as you know, while Christ was here on earth, uh, Israel was controlled by the Romans. But there was a whole slew of people that controlled the, the Jews from the time there uh, of the exile, okay? And it wasn't until 1948 they were able to get their own land uh, back, okay? But it was originally their land in the first place. So Ezekiel, uh, you know, imagine a valley of dry bones and they're scattered, but then they come together, the flesh comes upon them, but now you have these, you know, zombie creature things, right? Until the breath of God comes in to the, those uh, bones and the, and the bodies, right? Okay. But it was showing that God was going to gather together all the Jews. And these are big, big statements, right? Uh, it's kind of a bird's eye view, right? But basically bring back all the Jews to their land and give them their land back. And God said this in 585 BC. So <clears throat> as a side note, I think it's really interesting how you can put a spiritual, uh, you can also look at this spiritually as the breath of God coming into us and giving us his spirit. Um, and it's clearly a picture of the resurrection from the dead and represents the power and grace of God in the conversion of the, of the most hopeless sinner. So he has the power to deliver, deliver us from sin, cleanse us, and put his spirit within us and keep us by his power through faith unto salvation. In uh, the previous chapter in Ezekiel 36, verses 22 to 28, I'll just read a little bit. But the point is, God is jealous for his namesake. He is very serious about his name. Verse 22, And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. Uh, do I have that right? Sorry. Wrong chapter. Uh, verse, this is uh, Ezekiel 36, 22. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. So the Jews had a really bad track record uh, up until this point of you know, falling away, falling out, going after idols. Uh, so the Lord is saying, I'm going to bring you back together into a nation, but not for your sake, but because of God's name. Verse 23, and I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God 
when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. So God is, if we go back to Genesis, God uh, called Abraham out of, uh, I think it was a land of Chaldees, right? And called him out and I'm gonna take you and your family and give you this land, okay? And I'm, we know a little bit about uh, what happened, but before I get there, um, <clears throat> let's see. Genesis 15, 18, uh, you don't necessarily need to turn there. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So God took Abraham and he says, I'm going to give you this land. So here's, I wish it was bigger, but <clears throat> from the great river is actually in Egypt. And he's giving the land from the Egypt over the Red Sea through Saudi Arabia, part of Iraq, Syria, Jordan, and obviously Israel here. So the land that Israel got is about one-tenth the size of what God originally planned for uh, the Jewish people. <clears throat> so... Through the years, and I actually have a list of the, of the uh, kingdoms that ruled over the Jews, but Abraham was uh, about 1885 BC. So just to give you a kind of a perspective. But then, <clears throat> and after uh, Ezekiel, then the Assyrians came in, then the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Greeks, then the Romans, then the Byzantine Empire, the Arab is, uh, Islamic Empire, the Catholic Crusaders, the Mamelukes, the Ottomans, and finally the British Empire have all ruled over Israel until 1948. <clears throat> so we know about the Holo Holocaust in, uh, during World War II it was Hitler's intent to completely destroy all the Jews and wipe them off the face of the earth. Well, obviously, they lost the war, and the countries that, that were the victors saw the plight of the Jews and decided, okay, we're going to carve out some land for the state of Israel, for the Jewish people. And this is how the fulfillment of Ezekiel 37 came about was actually as the result of World War II, I mean, finally. <clears throat> uh, I'm gonna read Genesis 12, one through three, uh, going back, kind of jumping back and forth, um, but back to Genesis. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show, you, 
show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, <clears throat> and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee all families of the earth will be blessed. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so going back to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was and Sarah were <clears throat> excuse me were both really old. And how is this promise going to happen? How is their seed going to create a nation, right? As the stars of the heavens, I think it says, or the sand of the sea. Well, <clears throat> Abraham and Sarah, they're like, oh, I'm really old. You better go in with You better go in to Hagar and get a child, right? So Abraham's going to take the things into his own hands. And <clears throat> so Hagar conceived and bore Ishmael. And God's like, no, not that's not my plan. My plan is for you and Sarah to have um, Isaac. So it says in Genesis 16 of, the, of Ishmael, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. So, and the, fast forward to the seventh century AD, the Islam springs up and Islam is basically uh, and the Arabs are basically descendants from Ishmael. And it's still the same as it was back then. He will be a wild man, and his hand will be against every man. So then you have Isaac, and God's like, no, Isaac's my guy. Isaac, the lineage that God talks about so that he can show his name to the whole world is going to be through the lineage of Isaac. And so ever since then, you've had this division and this fighting between the Arabs and Muslims and the Jews, and it's going on to this day. So in the seventh century AD, okay, when um, Islam rises up, basically the Muslims laid claim to that land in the seventh century. But this is like 2,100 years later than God, the time God said, no, the land belongs to the Jews. So, and of all the people groups in the whole entire world, this is the only time God has ever given a piece of this earth to a certain people group. And I think it was show, so that he could show, okay, they messed it up a lot over the years, but basically God's going to say, I have a chosen people. These chosen people are gonna be through, through history, and um, in the end, uh, there will be prophecy. So 
that is fulfilled. So we have all the way from Genesis, all the way through Revelation is talking about Israel. Uh, this whole entire book is about Israel, and that's why we should care about what's happening, what has happened, and what will happen in Israel. Uh, not to mention the fact that our Lord, Jesus Christ, was born in Israel, was raised in Israel, died and resurrected in Israel, and will come back to Israel. So Israel matters, even to uh, the Christians. And we see massive problems today, uh, and it's been throughout history where people all around the world have persecuted the Jews. Uh, they have been, uh, as a people group, they have been through all kinds of horrible situations. Uh, obviously, we have the Holocaust, but it's going on even now with Hamas. Uh, their whole entire charter, their whole entire plan is to kill the Jews and destroy Israel. That is their stated number first statement in their charter of their, um, when they were formed. Not to mention like Hezbollah and Iran and, you know, uh, we don't hear a lot much about Saudi Arabia right now or Egypt, but this has been a lot of big problems through the Middle East. And it's, it's a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual battle that's going on that I don't think we quite comprehend. And there's obviously also real fighting and a real war. But behind the whole thing, I believe, is a spiritual battle. Um, I'm jumping around a little bit through my notes here, but um, if you look at through... Um, Revelation, Revelation 12:4, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for dev to devour her child as soon as it was born. So the dragon is Satan, the woman is Israel, and the child is Jesus. Satan is always opposed to the redemptive plan of God. The hatred of the Jewish people is incited by Satan himself. And organizations like Hamas or Hezbollah, they're just an extension of Satan's work. And Satan has been hard at work against the Jewish people basically throughout history because God decided, these are my people. And I don't understand fully how everything will come together. And I go back, oh Lord God, thou knowest. God knows what we don't know. And God knows how the spiritual things are interacting with the things that are actually happening right now in this world. I can't figure it out. I can't figure out how, you know, they've rejected Christ 
big picture. Obviously, individuals have accepted Christ, but the Jewish people have rejected Christ. So how does this all work out in the end? I don't know, and only God really knows. So I think the question becomes, um, <clears throat> one of the big things is, are we living in, in the end times? Like, is this war an indication of the end of time? And I think that we have to take things with a little bit of a grain of salt and put them in perspective. Because evangelical leaders are looking to the Bible, the Bible's end-of-day prophecies, as people try to understand this war, this Israel-Hamas war. But they were asking the same thing in 1948, when Israel's War of Independence, in 1967, the Six-Day War, and the Yom Kippur War of 1973. Um, also during World War II, a lot of people thought Hitler was the Antichrist because um, he was determined to exterminate the Jews. And even during the Cold War and the 9-11 terrorist attacks, people have always asked, oh, is this a sign of the end of the times? And <clears throat> I have to go back I don't think it's our job to assume too much about when Christ will return. Because the New Testament specifically warns against predicting the time of Christ's return. Matthew 24, 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Matthew 24, 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. We are in the last days, but how long will the last days end last? The Jews had to wait 2,500 years for Ezekiel's prophecies to be fulfilled. There's all kinds of people today that are talking about, um, about the war and how it applies. Uh, one strand of Christianity believes that the Jews inhabiting Israel is a key element in the second return of Jesus and a key to the end of times. <clears throat> Here's a quote from, this is Christians United for Israel, uh, some kind of organization. To the terrorists who have chosen this fight, hear this. What you do to Israel, God will do to you. And then, you know, we talked about the blessings. Those who bless Israel, God will give blessings. Those who curse Israel, God will give curses. I'm gonna read a little bit from Psalm 83. Uh, this is kind of going again, uh, talking about the uh, hatred of people against Israel and the Jews. 
Psalm 83, 1 through 4, keep, now, keep not thou silence, O God, hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. There is a huge hatred against uh, Israel. It seems the majority of the evangelical churches, especially in the United States, are supporting Israel's side in this conflict. Um, I also believe it's it's not right. There's a huge amount of um, anti-Jewish um, rhetoric going on, and also anti-Muslim rhetoric going on right now. And I just want to say that I don't believe it's our place as Christians to be on the side of hatred. So. We can, I think it's important for us to understand some of this history and um, some of the things that the Bible says. But as Christians, our job is to show the love of Christ to whoever we meet, whether they're Jewish or not Jewish or um, Muslim or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Our job is to show Christ to them. So as far as a war is concerned, I can sometimes, I try to follow it. I guess it's some of my upbringing to try to stay up on current events, but I can get really upset and frustrated sometimes. Uh, But it's almost, for me personally, I have to just say, Lord, I don't understand you know all these things that are going on, but I am just so thankful that he grafted in the non-Jewish people into his plan. And as a Gentile myself, I'm just so thankful that God's plan is not just about the Jews. It's primarily for his namesake. The Jewish people are his chosen people. And as far as the end of the world, I don't understand all of that. But as a Christian, my job is to love and to show them love and to say, oh Lord God, thou knowest. God knows and I'm just so thankful that he knows and I don't have to stress about those those things. Uh, Any kind of worries about the end of the world or the war or whatever, I'm putting on Christ and I'm saying, Lord, you take care of this. Help me to love all those that I come in contact with and uh, and, uh, tell what great things Christ has done for us. 
and uh, for the gospel. Thank you for listening.